Hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota State gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, the Maize and Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. Welcome into Brewcast from the from Maze of Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined by my friends Anthony Brew and Chris Castellani here with you. Monday, March 1st, we made it. It's finally March. We're going to be beginning maybe the best five, six-week streak of the year. It doesn't get much better than this stretch we're about to go through with you know the end of the regular season, conference, tournaments, starting up, selection Sunday, tournament, then rolling into the Masters, at least for me. It's, it's maybe the best six-week stretch uh, of the year, but we all love March, man, and uh, we got a lot to get to. Obviously, the Wolverines basketball program continues to roll up to number two in the AP poll. Got some first-place votes this week, uh, so we're definitely rolling, looking to finish this season strong. Big game coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, we also got some football news to talk about with a quarterback transferring in, uh, a nice commitment for 2022 uh, from the cornerback, a much-needed position. So a lot to get to. Anthony, Chris, how are we doing here tonight? It's a party. Everyone's involved. There's the three of us are here. There's multiple sports involved. There's recruiting stuff going on. It is, uh, it's kicked off what I believe to be, you know, no disrespect to Christmas, but what is the most wonderful time of the year? Pitchers and catchers, uh, really just spring training opening in general, college basketball. I love, I love the conference tournaments and, uh, you know, we love the NCAA tournament as well. Obviously going to be a little bit different this year, but ready to go charged up, uh, feeling a lot of momentum uh, from the show that Chris and I did yesterday. So good to be here. Good to have you here with us, Luke. We don't, you know, it, it's not our intent on Sunday nights to cut you out of the action. It's, just, <laughs> it's the way the cookie crumbles around here. So uh, it's good to be here. Good to see both of your, uh, your shining, smiling faces. And we'll, we'll work through this. It's uh, it's another big week for, for this program. Yeah, man. It's, it's the biggest of weeks. It's the biggest of months. And you know, my, my reprieve, my, my, the breather that I get at the end of every college basketball season is immediately I, it transitions right into baseball season. Part of the reason I love baseball season so much is that it's relaxing. Now, part of again, part of the reason why it's relaxing is because there's no stakes or no consequences when your favorite team is just trying to keep it under a hundred losses. But this next (laughs) month, is could, could potentially be very fun, but it's not going to be relaxing. There is, I, I don't think there's anything in, in, in terms of the sports that I watch. I, there's something that just hits differently about the stress of March. 
It just it just does uh, because it's every game you get to a point where it's winner go home. Uh, I mean, we've seen the Tigers make deep runs through the tournament or through the playoffs. We've seen you know, the, the Pistons make deep runs. You have two days off in between games or three days sometimes, and you have the travel days and you have the ability to regroup. It's March just hits differently. And I'm I'm excited for it that it's finally here. And this NCAA tournament will be unlike anything that we've ever seen. Uh, but last year's was unlike anything we've ever seen because we didn't see it. There wasn't one. I mean, the fact that we're here and we're having one and it's going to be real, not to you know count the chickens before they hatch because they got to finish a job here and win the Big Ten title this week. But yeah, I mean, it is it's nitty gritty time and and there is something about being this involved in what's happening, this invested in what's happening. That makes it fun, scary, heartbreaking, and exciting all at the same time. Uh, You just hit the nail on the head right now. You know, we're, we're looking at the potential for a big 10 championship. All it takes is one more win. It would be nice to get it uh, against Illinois. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a, quite a ride on Twitter with their fan base. I don't know where everything has come from them towards Michigan. It's been weird to see, uh, but it definitely would be nice to, to come against them, uh, you know, and also obviously your last two games against Michigan State. I guess it's, it's the perfect scenario for Michigan. You just got to win is. one of these last three and you could, you could win it against either, either team and it's going to feel good. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean... <laughs> I don't know where this scrappy do mentality from Illinois basketball fans <laughs> come from. I honestly don't. Hey, let me at him. Let me at him. Let me at him. By the way, get it. It's not just Michigan either. I mean, they they got no. into the same thing when when Mati Sissoko hit uh, Ao Desumu in the face. A, a Illinois Twitter acted like a murder had been committed. I mean, they were going <laughs> they were going after like major pieces. They were tweeting at players talk about a, about a flagrant two. Uh, no, I know this is it is weird, and I. The, the little rant that I went on, I mean, it wasn't that little rant that I went on yesterday talking about this, listening back to it made me so happy because it's true. There is, look, if you want to talk crap, like if if Michigan State wants to talk crap about a program, yeah, hey, have at it. You guys are great every year. You know, even this year's a down year. It's still a year that a lot of teams in the conference probably like to have. If Michigan wants to do it, hell, even if Wisconsin wants to do it, all right, you've had success. Illinois? Like a team, like D Brown, Darren Williams, like two coaches ago, that was your last good team. That that's yeah, that's that's the strange part to me. Is it's it's like I I don't know. I can't I can't even make a, a comparison to it. It's like the San Diego Padres right now trying to to you know mother f the Los Angeles Dodgers because they had a good offseason. It's like bro, you're going up against teams that have that are coming off of championships that hang banners. It it is one of the in a year full of weird storylines. The the outward uh, cockiness of the Illinois basketball fan base is one of the more intriguing stories of this entire season. The, the best part about that to me was that like Michigan Twitter and Michigan state Twitter, the fan base is teamed up on Illinois. I'm like, if Came you together. get these, if you get these two, completely separate unities or entities to, to team up in unison against you. You need to do some serious introspection on what you've done. This was like when, you know, when the Robin hood thing happened and 10 Ted Cruz and AOC were like agreeing with each other on Twitter. I'm like, like you got some, you, you really messed up. You did something like this, man. And again, it's worth noting. And I pointed this out in the hoop spot too, but None of us are saying Illinois is bad. They're really good. They're in line to be a one seed right now. It's a really good team. But the 
the general attitude as if they've won seven out of the last Big Ten titles and have made it to two Final Fours or something is it's it's just fascinating to me. It really is. And it's, if it was the fan base, whatever, if it's people on Twitter, you know, come on. Like I said, that's not a hotbed of common sense, but it's coming off their coach. The, the, the show with the shot he took on, on Saturday. It's like, wow. I, yeah. You won one game without your best player against a team that played the worst 37 minutes of college basketball that I've ever seen. And all of a sudden, you know, you're flexing, you're flexing on them. All right, go ahead, man. Good luck. And what was this? What did he have to say? Did he say something again today about not even wanting to, to win the, the big 10 championship or these games don't matter or something like that. It, well, I saw a quote from him and I'm like, what on earth is this guy spewing about? It was one of those things. And this is where, again, I, I will defend him a little bit because it was one of those things where if, if you take one sentence of the full quote out of context, it makes it seem like he's saying we don't care about winning the big 10 championship. It doesn't matter. What he was saying was that, yes, it, we would big 10 championship. It's, it's worth something. We care about it, but it's not our end goal. We want to make a deep run through the tournament. We want to win the conference tournament. You know, the same kind of coach jargon that you see at this time of year. I would also argue, though, because to me, what's important is hanging banners. So, like, to act like any any one of these things isn't important is is a little bit silly. Like, the idea, especially this year, the idea of outright winning a conference in which, ev- in which the, the conference is stacked. To act like that doesn't matter, come on. And I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but I think this year especially where you've had teams that are all really good and you had the long COVID layoffs, it's worth something. I also think it's a little bit of a backtrack because I think he knows he might be setting himself up for something bad on Tuesday. And I was trying to be like, well, you know, look, we were angry about it, but yeah, you know, we got bigger fish to fry. It's not, okay, all right, yep. Keep digging that hole, buddy. Uh, Why are you painting a target on your back if you're that? You got Michigan who's got one game to win to win the Big Ten outright, a one seed almost locked up, two games with their rival back-to-back to to end the season, and they're going to be on short rest. Like, if there's any time you want to play Michigan, it's where Illinois is their spot tomorrow, and you're going to come out and say this stuff and just paint this target on your back? I just, it's, I don't know, it's weird to me, man. I don't know. I'm telling you, man, this this basketball team has internalized everything, and they've taken things one day at a time. And I have no issue saying it right now. Whether Io Dosunmu plays on Tuesday night or not, I think this could be the cherry on top of another, you know, so-called elite team getting run out of Chrysler on Tuesday night. Like I think that that's that's what's brewing here. Um, you know, this this added. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. The attitude with with uh, Brad Underwood. It, it's like how. Let me choose my words carefully here. <laughs> um, how. Michigan almost feels like the team that's kind of the underdog coming into this because all weekend, all weekend. And Chris and I talked about this, I think a little bit yesterday. You can tell how good a team is when you have members of Illinois taking shots at you. You have Gonzaga people taking shots at you. You have Michigan state people taking shots at you. You have Baylor people taking shots at you. Like Michigan's getting these shots from all, all ends right now. And like, I th- that chip is, there is there should be a chip on their shoulder over that like they're not they're just not I don't think getting the respect that that they deserve right now and it's 
again, the, the attitude from Illinois basketball because they won a single game at the buzzer last year against a team that went 500 in the Big Ten. Uh, I just, I just don't understand it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's when push comes to shove, and I've, I'll eat my words if I have to. I've always done that here. When push comes to shove, Illinois is going to crack, whether it be against Michigan tomorrow night, whether it be in the Big Ten tournament, whether it be in the NCAA tournament they will have a chance to do something special and they will crack because that is the identity of that basketball team. That is the identity of that basketball yeah. program. And that's what they've been since, you know, 2004, 2005, whatever it was that, uh, that D Brown team was there. Yeah. So whatever, man, um, you want to set yourself up like that and go into a lion's den, have at it. I, I, I know it's weird to say I would trade, I would trade, you know, I expect Michigan to win both of these games against Michigan State this weekend, but I would easily, easily trade one of those games to make sure that Illinois gets run out of the building tomorrow because that's how irritating all of this has been. It, guess, it makes no sense to me. I guess I have I have a higher opinion on that team than I think than I think you guys do. Like I think they are really good. Uh, with a few bounces and a few breaks, I, I I think they could be a team that could get to the final four. I actually do think they're that good. It's just it's it's the equivalent of the the you know the the three foot kid in middle school taking shots at the kid who's six eight and got a beard when he's twelve years old. It's like you know full well that there's enough evidence to support the fact that if you take a shot here, it's probably not going to end well. The fact is, every team that's tried to come after this this team, Michigan, is the Michael Jordan and I took that personally meme come to life. I mean, every yeah, time one hundred percent any sort of bulletin board material, they have ran every team out of the gym. That's who you want to pick a fight with, really? Yeah, and part of it too is like usually we get Michigan media like before the day before a game. So like Mondays typically we if you know there's a game on Tuesday, we'd talk to either Jawan or one of the assistants and then a couple of players. There was radio silence today from their end. So like I feel like that they're they kind of went in the submarine. I think they're probably pretty irritated with all how all this has played out because like I said, uh they're if nothing else, extremely self-aware. Um, you know, I have more comments from Brad Underwood here. He said, if I have any frustration, we were perfectly healthy and sat for 10 days in the middle of the season. Uh, Michigan was perfectly healthy and sat yeah. for 23 days. 23. Um, I know it goes beyond us, but my whole deal is I know how hard I've preached and how committed our players have been to doing everything perfect to COVID. These guys have not done one thing outside of the 30 people that are testing every day. Michigan went through all of this. They went through it too. And it's not like... Like we talked about this yesterday, Chris, like they didn't rush. I'm sorry that they didn't rush to reschedule games that would have put them even further ahead in the standings against Penn state, another game against Indiana, another game against Northwestern. I don't know what the issue is here. They're giving you your game. They're giving you your rematch. You have a chance to come in and do something about it, but just the whining and and the, it's just so, well, and it's like like Michigan at this point they'll have played Iowa Thursday, uh, Indiana Saturday, and then another quick turnaround for this Tuesday. Like when when would it have been better? I mean, I guess with Michigan on the first game off the COVID pause would it would have been the best, obviously. But when that original original or game was originally scheduled, I, I mean, 
I, I feel like there's not a lot of difference. Michigan is finding their footing a little bit here, but it's not like you're catching Michigan off of like a huge rest. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like these guys, they, they just played, you know, two top 10 teams back to back, had to go to assembly hall. And now you get them on a short rest. Like, why wouldn't you be jumping at the bit for this right now? You know, especially when Illinois, the way Ohio state has been playing all of a sudden, you know, you got a chance at a one seed right here, man. Like, cause Ohio state's fallen off completely. Maybe Iowa's going to have something to say about that. I don't know who that fourth one seed is going to be. It's completely up in the air right now, but Illinois with a win at Michigan, definitely in line for that fourth one seed. Yeah. yeah. They're national I, I guess, title. Good. They, they are. Illinois is that good, but yeah. there's just like something between the ears. Like it's just not, it's not registering for me right now. Um, I think what well, here's here's a theory here, and I know we're we're spending a lot of time on this, but I don't, you know what? It's been a while since a team's taken a shot at Michigan in in either one of the major sports, and we haven't just like been forced to just stand there. Like any <laughs> time, Ohio, crow. Yeah. anytime Ohio State <laughs> takes a shot at, at Harbaugh, we have to be like, all right, yeah, sixty-two. That just feels good, doesn't it? Right, sixty-two points and fifty-nine the next year, and you just kind of have to sit there with a puppy dog look, being like, okay. But no, this is <laughs> I think part of it. Brad Underwood is is a good coach, very good. And he's worked his butt off when he inherited a program that was not in very good shape, and they've gotten progressively better every year. And he, you look at a program in Michigan that many people, including many Michigan people, believe that when John Beeline left the program, thus ended whatever run Michigan basketball may have had. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can, you're raising your hand. You're not the only one. There's, there's major people in the Michigan media, even Michigan fans, who, who believe that deep down. And even if you believed in Juwan, everyone thought it's going to take several years for him to get his guys in. I'm sure there has to be something frustrating about the fact that Illinois had a team that was the odds on favorite preseason to win the big 10. And if it wasn't going to be then it was them. It was going to be Wisconsin or it was going to be Iowa or it was going to be Michigan state. And you have this team in year two with two, uh, two transfers, a freshman, uh, a second, uh, a sophomore, and us, uh, and two seniors in your starting lineup that has steamrolled every team they played. I'm sure there is a little bit of like, man, we've worked our butts off to just to get to get to this position in five years, and we have the, and we're going up against a program that we thought probably wouldn't be relevant again until year four or five. So I do, I get like the frustration that comes with that. Now, I also think that if you're, you know, if you want to be an adult you should maybe keep your mouth shut a little bit. Like I haven't heard Izzo say anything about, Oh man, it's too bad. Michigan's gotten so good. And I haven't heard Chris Holtman be like, Oh boy, it sucks that we have to play that good team. No, I mean, you, you accept the fact that sometimes people are just wrong about teams. Sometimes people are wrong about coaches. Sometimes people are wrong about entire programs. And that's what's happened here. Nobody thought Michigan would be this good this quickly. And I'm sure it's disappointing for a bunch of other teams in the conference to, to take, see a program that they thought was maybe on a downturn, all of a sudden reaching heights that they hadn't reached before. You know, what's, what's been amazing. And and I think this is a perfect storm for tomorrow night. And, you know, like, like Anthony said, we might have to eat our words on this. We don't know how Illinois is going to come out and play, but Franz Wagner in the last two games yeah. has played so aggressive. And if that continues, this team is damn near unbeatable because how long, you know, all of last year, a lot of this year, you know, Franzi, he was playing great defense and all this, but sometimes he would disappear offensively. You know, it, it was what it was. Isaiah Livers in company, they had no problem scoring the basketball, obviously. But my goodness, man, Franz, when playing aggressive, takes his team to a whole new level. And the best part is 
is he gets he takes everything so damn personal that everything that's being said from Illinois, he is going to take so personally and go out there and just attack, attack, attack. And honestly, I, I don't know what it is. If it's late in the year, if, if he's starting to to think about, you know, I don't want to say he's thinking about draft stock, but maybe someone's been in his ear like Mo, like, hey, let's be a little more aggressive. Now's the time to turn it on a little bit. But he's been a different player offensively, especially in the half court. In fact, Michigan with him on the floor versus off the court in the half court has been, it's felt like two different teams. But if he continues this way and he goes out there and he takes his personally tomorrow, man, I'm going to, I don't actually don't get to watch. I have to, to work tomorrow, so I don't even get to watch this game unfortunately i have to watch it on replay but it's going to be so much fun to watch he has a different kind of cockiness than what his brother had it, it, and now that's still the same that same kind of swagger but his brother and we love mo wagner he's the he's the dude of dudes but he was a pest and, and people and he got under people's skin because he he had that kind of uh self imposed confidence that he built in on on his own whereas mo is or i'm sorry franz is a if something bad goes against me, I'm going to, I'm going to use that as motivation where it was Mo had kind of that built in motivation. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. Cause I think that in general, the players on this team uh, lit like livers or even Dickinson, who knows what he's going to do. Chandy it's kind of set. And when you play three or four years in college, that kind of happens. It's kind of set where they may, may end up going in the draft. If Franz has a great tournament, he could, his stock could go from top 15 honestly, to top five, top 10. I mean, if he's that good. I mean, and we, for people who are thinking that's crazy, do you remember two years ago how down everybody was on Carson Edwards when before that tournament? He's a volume guy. He's shooting 30 times a game. He's shooting 30% from the floor. And he went out in that tournament and went nuts. <laughs> you remember the Ant right tweet real quick? Of course, yeah. <laughs> that has to be one of the greatest tweets of all time. I still think about that tweet all the time. <laughs> but, but that dude went up about 10 spots in the draft because of how he played in that tournament. And you look at Franz Wagner, I think, and you compared to the rest of this team, I think with a great defensive game plan, you can contain Hunter Dickinson. I think if you find Isaiah Livers on a bad day, he could have a bad game. I think at his best, I don't think there's a player in this conference, even more so than Luca Garza, and we saw what Michigan did to him, that is at his best is actually capable of being contained. He's a he's a a freak of a specimen. Uh, he's gotten more athletic in in just the year plus that he's been here. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I, I've said it, I said it early on. If Franz Wagner is this team's best player, then Michigan is at their best. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And again, from it's just this is where it's so important and so critical that what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is, you know, Franz Wagner can ha- go off and have a game. Isaiah Livers can go off and have a game. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, we know he can go off and have a game. And go- guess what? If you lock all of those guys up, Mike Smith still has a little bit of Columbia score. Mike He's Smith been awesome. too. So it's it's a pick your poison thing, and that's where I think it's pretty pretty critical that. You know, like I said, I, I've called this team before a team full of sharks where, you know, I think a lot of guys, there are guys who are, are good on this team at smelling blood in the water and, and knowing it. Okay. It looks like matchup wise, this is going to be my night. So I, I have to take care of business here. Um, I, it's amazing to watch them share the basketball, man. It, it truly is a thing beautiful. of beauty. Yeah. The ball movement is as good as I've seen from a Michigan team. Maybe, I mean, in the moment I want to say ever, but. 
you know what I'm talking about there. I mean, it, it gets to the point where, you know, if, if people are able to lock down Dickinson or livers or, you know, who, who can stop Franz Wagner when he's playing the way that he has, you know, it's gotta be someone with length. And, and before someone I brought up yesterday is maybe you run into like an eight seed in Oklahoma state in the tournament and a guy like Cade Cunningham, who I think is like six, eight is able to kind of body him up defensively outside of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who else they could run. Like if he's playing that good, that good of basketball, um, I don't think it's a hot take to think that this is a a final four team and and maybe they might not even need him to be 21 points on six of nine shooting and, you know, eight of eight from the free throw line guy to do that either. It's just in those critical moments, it, it just seems like they know how to press all the right buttons when it, when it comes to this is our guy today or this guy, it's going to be a good day for this guy, you know, things like that, you know, pick your poison. It's, I've been saying it for, it feels like weeks now. I don't think there's, I don't think you can possibly hyperbolize just how good this basketball team is. I mean, they're, they're the only team in the country right now. That's both top five on Ken Palm and both offense and defense. It's like, this is just a well-rounded basketball death star that, uh, I cannot, I cannot wait to see where this goes. It's so, it's so exciting. Um, you know, we've, we've waited for a long time for, you know, uh, maybe by year three or four, Juwan Howard has this rolling. Oh, you know, John Beeline's got these two teams. This might be our, his, our opportunity to get him a ring, whatever. Um, maybe the time is now and, and all the ingredients are there. And, and I'm just so excited to see where this goes. At the end of the day, like how many teams you know, really have three guys that you could legit, you know, if they make a final four run there, there could be three different guys that could be the most outstanding player for the region. You know, you, you've got Franz livers and Hunter Dickinson could, you, you could conceivably see a scenario in which all three of those guys win a most outstanding player for the region. And if they go on to win the whole thing, one of the other guys could be the most outstanding player in the final four. It's just, you know, like, like, how do you guard them? You don't, it's someone just, someone just said uh, Michigan. I think the only team that could beat Michigan is Michigan. And I, I, other than Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga could, could provide some problems. I understand they played the WCC. That conference tournament is a joke. I was laughing so hard at the little arrow thing that they got rolling on there in the WCC. Um, But no, I I 100% agree with that is if they, if they completely go out and shoot, you know, 30% from the field and 10% from three, like that's the only conceivable scenario before the final four that a team could probably match up and beat them. It's it's the point I made on the Hoops Pod, too, where I said that the difference between good teams and great teams is that a good team wins with one great player. We've seen how Iowa performs with a, a when there's a contained Luka Garza on the floor. We see how Michigan State performs when Aaron Henry is held in check. You can hold this team's best player to an average so-so game and still win by 20. I mean, you look at the box scores in games where they've won by 22 25 you've had games where dickinson's had an off night you've had games where livers has had an off night you've had games where wagner wasn't great and they're still steamrolling teams uh, i feel like i've been using that term a lot but i mean that's 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 the way to put it i mean they've just absolutely pounced on on pretty much opponent they've had yeah this isn't like like i don't mean to to bag on them i just don't see a scenario in which 
like that, what was it, maybe 2015, that that Michigan State squad with Denzel Valentine, like they had that really good run, do a two-seed, everyone thought they were going to be a one-seed and then lost to Middle Tennessee. Like They had some, it felt like they had some offensive weaknesses. You know, they played well. They played some really good defense. Denzel was a, was a really good assist guy and could could score a little bit, but they had, they felt like they had so, some weaknesses. I didn't think it was going to be in the first round, obviously, but Michigan doesn't seem to have that weakness. Even if their shot's not really falling, their defense and their transition is so good, especially with their length that, I mean, we, we talked about it during the, the pause, man, that that defense is going to travel no matter what, you know? Well, Matt, I just looked it up to that Michigan state team that you referenced the, uh, the one that got popped by the Giddy Pots, the Fighting Giddy Pots company. Mm-hmm. Um, they were second in offense and 26th in defense to end the year. And a lot of that was pro- – I mean, some of that was, I'm sure, skewed by giving up 90 points to Middle Tennessee. But, uh, again, it's just – I there, there are teams like that, and obviously those are things to – you know, anything can happen in a one-off, which is, you know, to speak to Chris's point, why this time of year can be so terrifying. Um, oh, yeah. But I think of, you know, I think of those, um, you know, I think this is more a team in line with like that North Carolina team in 2009 that just destroyed Michigan State at Ford Field. That They had, you know, Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington and mm-hmm. Tyler Hansborough. Like they had three guys and then they had, um, I think Ed Davis was coming off the bench. Like they were just stacked. Um, and, and this feels like a team that is more in line with that, more in line with, uh, you know, maybe even you know to a lesser extent, I think that this team might be better than them. That that Villanova team that beat Michigan in 2018, uh, with you know the guy Jalen Brunson and, and Dante DiVincenzo, and, and with how deep those that team was too. So it's just a, I, I they're good, man. I, I can only say they're good so many different ways. Like it's, yeah, there. I think there's a, one other thing that could be big. And I, I, you know, the, the elite eight scares me uh, a little bit once you start there, but I think a a big thing is going to be not really having to play in any football stadiums until you get to the elite eight. I think that's, that's going to be huge as well, you know, because we've seen in a lot of tournaments in the past and that changes a lot of things at the end of the day, playing in something like that. I mean, your depth perception, as a shooter is, is so much different, you know, playing in, in a makeshift thing like that. So I think that's going to help out a lot too, is playing these in actual basketball venues is going to help the better teams not get upset. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, that's the hope, you know, it's, we're talking them up and again, it's, it's that culture we live in where, you know, if they, they screw up once people are going to say they were never that good. No, I can assure you, this team is that good. They've been that good all year. This is the best regular season in the history of the school. It is, period. COVID, whatever. They have never run through the Big Ten the way this team has. And there is there is a cruelty to March that is unlike any other cruelty in the postseason. Uh, and But it's not, it's not unreasonable to be talking about this team the way that we're talking about them. It's not unreasonable mm-hmm. to be talking them up the way that they have. They've earned the right to do so. If we, if there was, oh, if they had the same record, hell, you know what? You know why I know this? Because two years ago, I said I, we did the same thing. They were number two in the country. I think they'd just blown out Northwestern. And me being Buzz Killington, you know, Debbie Downer came on here and said, man, I don't know offensively if this team is good enough to win a national championship. And unfortunately, I kind of turned out to, I mean, I did turn out to be right. They got popped yeah. in the Sweet 16. <laughs> this is not a team where you look at 
them up top to bottom and think, okay, yeah, there's a weakness. There, there's an issue. The only, like, like the person in the comments said, and it's true, the only weakness here is probably themselves. Like the only weakness is they just have a game like MSU had against Middle Tennessee State five years ago where everything just goes wrong, where you have lapses defensively for the first, where they play like they did against Minnesota. I mean, like that's the one real outlier here. That's the one mm-hmm. thing that could happen. But if they play C plus to B minus basketball the rest of the way, I still think they could make it to the final four. I, I do think, and I agree with you, like at, at this point, I've, I've seen things end so poorly that I just try to enjoy the moment as much as possible. Same. And I, I feel like we would a hundred percent, if we weren't talking this way, like we got to have some fun with it. We'd be doing this entire thing a disservice, you yeah. know? have have some fun with it you know whatever happens happens take the punches as they roll but man we got to enjoy this while it's here for sure and you know what even with even with the number one recruiting class in the country coming in next year there is no guarantee we ever see a season like this again so enjoy it listen embrace the fact that the nation hates you the nation (laughs) like everyone hates michigan like regardless like they can say oh i respect oh john howard he's so funny or oh i respected john beeline no they see that logo. They see success. They hate that success. And you know what? I'm done apologizing for being the villain. Like, yeah. be the villain. Relish it. Wear that shitting and grin on your face. Talk your trash. Like, have fun. Like, it's life is too short to not have fun with what's going on right now. And if you have to eat crow, guess what? There's not a fan base more prepared to do that in this entire country than this no. one. Yeah, so we've been eating it from Ohio State football yeah. for years, man. We're 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 like Bane. We've been we've been born in the dark, you know. Yeah, just have I, fun, man. Like life is too like the world is a dark place right now. Still, so I, I have do, fun with it. Yeah, I do think the I do think this week will be it. It's it will still be important uh, in terms of not not shutting people up because people will never shut up. But just I think that in order to maintain this kind of high going into the postseason. Go two and one this week. Don't screw around. Um, I, I I do. There is a part of me that still believes, and you guys know I'm the one person on this podcast who's going to feel this way. There is a part of me that's like, you know, Michigan State's fighting for their tournament lives. They're going to give Michigan their best shot. You go two and one this week. You end the season, regular season with two losses. I think in general, everyone's going to be happy. And, you, you know, Luke, you brought it up, man. There is one of the things that does make this so stressful is that uh, – I know they have the best recruiting class in the country coming in next year, but maybe I'm off here. There is a part of me that has thought, man, I don't know if they're going to have a better shot than this. And now I'm not saying they're, they're in going to be incapable of making it to or winning a national championship, but there is a part of me that's like, man, I don't know if they're ever going to have a team with this combination of, stars, experience, youth, all put together. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Jawan Howard teams, and this could be a good thing. I'm not saying it's bad. I believe in Jawan completely. But I think we're going to see a lot of teams here over the next half decade plus that are going to have a lot of high-ceiling freshmen and sophomores. And there's something to speak for that. Teams have won national championships doing that. Not a ton, but some teams have. There is a part of me that has like the feeling that I know a lot of Wisconsin fans had in 2015 where it's like, if we don't if we don't finish this thing off that that we're going to have good teams but this opportunity may never arise again and you you got you we will try to enjoy it and we have enjoyed it the last couple months is some of the most fun i've had watching sports in a long time 
but yeah, there's of course, I mean, there's naturally going to be yeah. that. You that might not get teams that run top 10 and top 15 teams out of the gym right. consistently. Right. Exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> and this is my counterpoint to that is that, you know, four years ago, guys like Eli Brooks and, and Isaiah livers to a lesser extent, but those guys were freshmen on a team that's been there. Don't, mm-hmm. or don't discount the effect that a season like this can have on the Terrence sure. Williams of the world, the Zeb Jacksons of the world. Like those are guys who maybe three or four years from now, we're talking about them being out. Oh, remember, you know, they were on that, they were on that 2021 team in the COVID year that wound up winning the national title or going to the final four like this, you know, there's a very important foundational foundation that's being laid with those types of guys too. Because I, I do think that, um, you know, Juwan Howard wants to bring in his men, the most talent he possibly can, which he has so far. Uh, but I also like, he knows that in order to build this, look no further than missing out on those two freshmen that they did. You go out into the transfer portal. You don't just take a, I mean, in, in the past, maybe John Beeline takes a flyer, you know, John Beeline takes a flyer on the Karis Leverts of the world, which is great. That pays off. That's awesome. But he goes out and grabs a guy like Shawnee Brown, a guy like Mike Smith, veteran guys who are going to be key cogs to your team. Um, I think he knows that in building this moving forward, that's there's, there's value in that too. And, and if anything, I mean, on those, forget the recruits he's brought in. I mean, cause he's pretty close to batting a thousand there in terms of how they've worked so far on being on the team, but he's got a pretty, he's got a pretty keen eye for talent and guys that fit too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just not even just home runs with Chandy Brown, Mike Smith, Hunter Dickinson. I mean, absolute, um, 475 foot bombs with each one of those guys. Yeah. So I trust more than willing to do a Shawnee Brown appreciation podcast one day. Yeah. I don't, uh, I get that feeling of this might be it. And and you know what? It's, it's one of those things like for major league, like, you know, there's nothing else to do now, but go out and win the whole thing. Uh, But I do think that they are set up for, for some success moving forward, but I totally, in the moment and in the looking forward and looking backward in the landscape of college hoops, I can totally relate with that thought process of man, if not now, when, because this is, I mean, if they make it as far as we think they can, this would be the third go round for us as fans, for them as a program in the last 10 years or so. So I totally, totally get that. Yeah. Because that that 2013 team was, I think could have won it. And if they weren't going up against a team that was cheating, they would have won it. But there was something about, hey, man, this is the first time we've gone through this. That made it so like, hey, it's okay. They lost in the championship. It, what, a, what a great run. Hopefully they build off this. And then five years ago or three, five years later, you know, they had a team that's, that was able to do it again. I Again, as much as I love them, but there, there was some smoke and mirrors there. There was a little bit of luck involved with teams that got upset. You had a miracle shot. It was an amazing season. The best march in the history of this program outside of 89. You know, they didn't lose a game in March, went through the conference tournament, won every game by double digits, I believe, and, uh, you know, made it to the national championship. But even – I knew they didn't have the best team. I legitimately think this might right. be the best team in the country. And if it's not, it's a close second. Would be sick if Michigan made the final four and we didn't need a miracle shot to get there. Yeah, I know. Let's avoid stress the, this time. Yeah. Man, I don't know if the old ticker is going to take it this year. I don't every, know. Every long, every deep tournament run has a moment. So mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. happen one way or another. It's I'll happen. take it in the title game. Let, let's wait till the I natty will. to get there this time. Right. <laughs> give us, give us the miracle shot in the natty, like Nova over at UNC. Least, at least give us 
a little less stress on St. Patty's Day weekend, for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, my uh, goodness. Period. That was a great moment, though. Holy <laughs> wow. Oh, man. So, I, man, we've uh, we've been rolling here, man. We're almost 40 minutes in. Do we, we got time to talk a little football? Yeah, let's, or? let's do it. Let's do it. All let's right. Well, it. I think what we should do real quick is take a quick break here on Brewcast. And when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about uh, football, some developments that happened over the weekend. Keep it here on Brewcast. And we're back in on Brewcast. Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani recording live on Twitch as well. Appreciate everyone hanging out in the comment section. We are having a fun time here on this Monday night. March 1st, headed into Tuesday, March 2nd. We did get some news uh, with the football program. Uh, one kind of shocking, one maybe not so shocking, but uh, we know Jim Harbaugh loves himself some transfer quarterbacks. Alan Bowman out of Texas Tech uh, going to be a part of the Michigan program as a transfer. We don't really know what this means necessarily. Obviously you had Cade McNamara coming back after you lost Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton, uh, Dan Villari as well. You bring in the five-star everyone knows JJ McCarthy, but what does Alan Bowman bring to the table? Is this a guy that's going to be in the mix for a starting position? And if not, why did he transfer to Michigan in the first place? That's the only thing that's got me like, man, maybe, maybe he's been told by Jim Harbaugh, he's going to have a chance to, to win the starting position here. So, so what did you guys think when you saw this? Cause this kind of came out of left field. No, Anthony, I'll let you take this one first. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not surprising. Um, given that you lost two quarterbacks where, you know, this, you know, I know McCaffrey was an opt out, but since the calendar flipped to 2021, you lost two guys there that have starting starting experience or starting caliber experience. And that leaves you with a guy in Cade McNamara, who's played three games and made one start and didn't even finish that game because he got injured. JJ McCarthy is a true freshman who's going through his first spring football and Dan Villari, which no disrespect to him, but we didn't hear about him outside of being on the scout team last year. And he was like the former 1200 number 1200 recruit in the country and a last minute replacement um, in that 2020 class. So I'm, I'm okay with bringing in a, a guy who has started games in the big 12, who has, uh, and this doesn't lend any, this doesn't help out my case when I argue with people that speed and space is not, does not mean that Michigan's supposed to be running the air raid and then they go bring in an air raid quarterback. But um, can I ask you about that real quick, Anthony, and get your guys' thoughts on this? Cause I was reading the piece on Mason Brew and we got the kind of the scouting report right from the, the Texas Tech SB Nation site there. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, Michigan's offense. I'm not sure, you know, they, they said they're not sure if Michigan's offense. Uh, suits to, to Bowman's skills. My question is two years in, man, I don't really know what Michigan's offense is. I don't really know what the speed <laughs> and space thing is, to be honest with you. I, I swear I'm not even, no. you know, I'm not trying to beg on Josh Gaddis. I don't know what his like overall goal is because it seemed the Shea Patterson with DPJ and, and Nico and those guys seemed so different than the offense they ran last year. So I don't really know what he's even trying to do here. I don't think he knows what he's trying to do, honestly. Right. I mean, not not to be a not to be a jerk or anything, but um, you know, as it pertains to Bowman, I, I know I know how Michigan fans feel about the transfer quarterbacks, and we'll call it what it is. They've had varying degrees of success. Jake Rudock was fine; he was pretty good at the end. John O'Corn 
Not good. Uh, Shea Patterson, mixed bag. Uh, none of the guys you brought in have been Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. I Justin get it. Fields. I, mm. I get it. It, it. Trust me, I do. Um, and something I uh, I forget who was on Twitter, but I had a back and forth with someone on Sunday saying, you know, why, you know, Jim Harbaugh has always shown a preference for, you know, for a transfer quarterback. And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, in John O'Korn's case, he didn't win the starting job. He only played because Wilton Spate got hurt. He was so bad that he got benched for a redshirt freshman. And the only reason he went back into the game was because uh, the redshirt freshman got knocked out. So, you know, I'll push back on that a little bit. And we've gone through the Shea Patterson stuff before, but, you know, adding a guy like Alan Bowman who threw for, I want to say 5,200 yards and like 33, 35 touchdowns uh, in playing games for Texas Tech, uh, 33 or however many games it is. God, math is hard, but uh, you know this is this feels like a worthy addition to me. Uh, like I said, McNamara's tape is limited. McCarthy, regardless of what we think we know, is still an unknown. An injury to one of those guys puts. Dan Valari into the mix for reps at quarterback. It puts, I mean, just think back to when there was talk of them trying to play the Ohio state game. We're talking about Dan Valari and Mike Barrett, who's your starting Viper getting a reps at quarterback and then running Hassan Haskins out of the, uh, the wildcat. That's not appealing to me. So, you know, again, with, with this adding someone that has game experience to me at the very least is a good insurance policy to have. Now I'll say this if you're concerned that Bowman wins the starting quarterback job, I don't think that the evidence going on what they say, because Jim Harbaugh, won, you know, you want to be judged by your actions and what you say and all that stuff. If he wins the starting job, it means that he's the best quarterback on your roster. And that can be just as encouraging as it is terrifying. Uh, but to be honest with you, the same is going to be true with whoever wins the job. So even the guy that's come out of this as being the best guy, quote unquote, air quotes, has never really been the guy over the last number of years. So um, it's another intriguing piece on the board. I don't think it affects the battle too much unless uh, Cade McNamara or JJ McCarthy just wind up not being ready to play. And given that when Cade came in last year, it looked like he could just run the, just run the offense, make the throws that need to be made, make a quick, easy read. I, I tend to think that this might be a non, I don't want to say it's a non-factor, but um, again, it is just, to me, it's just insurance. And, you know, I don't think it changes much to change the ceiling of the quarterback room, honestly. You know, when, when I first heard this news, because I don't, I don't watch that much Texas Tech football. I haven't since Graham Harrell, but <laughs> I, when I first heard this, I assumed it was some Texas Tech quarterback who got beat out uh, and decided to go to Michigan so he could hold a clipboard for a few years and finish his degree. Looking at his numbers, he is right right away, this is undisputed, the most experienced quarterback on Michigan's roster right now. Like by a substantial, this is a guy who started college football games. His second to last game of the year against the number 23 ranked Oklahoma State team. And again, it's Big 12. Defense is optional. 31 for 46, 384 yards. I mean, that is outside of two quarters of Cade McNamara. This guy is probably your most experienced QB on the roster. 
I, because I never bought into the John O'Corn hype. I didn't. I, I thought Spate was a better option in uh, 17. And or I, I thought he was a better option in 16. And I, I liked Rudock in, uh, or I guess it was down to Rudock and Morris in, in 2015. But y- you get my point. I, I never bought into the hype because he was a guy who had a good freshman year, got beat out, didn't play particularly well his last couple of years in Houston and, and uh, transferred. I, like, I think there's a legitimate possibility this guy. M- is going to compete. I'm not saying he's going to get it, but I think what's appealing about him as a quarterback or as an option, at least stands out right away. There is something to be said about experience. I don't, I don't know how confident this, this program is in Cade McNamara and let's call it for what it is. If they were super confident in Cade McNamara, he wouldn't have started the year third on the depth chart a season ago. JJ McCarthy general belief is that he has a whole lot of upside. Five-star recruit. Yes, I'm not, and I'm not going to hold what other five-star Michigan recruits have done against him. You know, he's his own guy. He's his own man. But I don't care how talented you are. True freshman in college football, especially in a conference in the Big Ten, that's a difficult ask. Justin Fields is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in the Big Ten. Took a backseat to Jacob Fromm his first two years. Now, you know, Kirby Smart is eating a whole lot of crow because of that. But you get my point. That's that's a very difficult job. There's a reason why, if I recall correctly, one Michigan, two Michigan quarterbacks in their history, I believe, have ever started the season as true freshmen. One was Tate Forcier, who got beat out the next year and, and whose backup was also a freshman in Denard Robinson. And the other one was Chad Henney, who only got the starting job because uh, Matt Gutierrez, Matt Gutierrez drop. I don't think anybody expected this on this podcast today, got injured. So, I, I, you know, there that's not an easy role. You have an experienced guy who's played some good games in the Big 12. I, I think this this story might go under the radar, but I would not be surprised if this guy takes a, a starting snap next season, I really wouldn't. Well, I, I will say this, and I just want to double check something here. Cause I, I'm not sure. I know they overlap for a year, uh, cliff and Baker Mayfield at Texas tech. So I'm not sure if cliff recruited Baker Mayfield, but I mean, at the end of the day, Cliff Kingsbury has recruited some pretty good quarterbacks. If Baker was one of them, he's one, uh, you know, before transferring to Oklahoma, Kyler Murray before transferring to Oklahoma. Now he lost the guys, but he also recruited, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Like I'm not saying this, this guy is any one of those three, but I mean, at the end of the day, Cliff, Cliff recruited some pretty good guys to come to Texas tech before ultimately losing them. So maybe he saw something in this guy. Maybe that is a, a bit of a silver lining, you know? Sure, why mean, not? It's possible. Yeah. Look, I mean, well, look, he's what, young and hot, so you know it all. It's that's how it is, right? Have all the young, attractive white. The guy knows quarterbacks. I feel like you know Cliff. I mean, yeah. I, know, um, I thought yeah. you know, you know. So yeah, I, maybe there's job, something to that. Got an NFL job because of it. He did not get an right. NFL job because he was winning 13 games a year. He flamed yeah. out at Texas Tech, but and weirdly, and I, we talked about this a couple months ago. I think when talking about Harbaugh. And the the you know the the ever the never ending extension storyline is that the uh, he weirdly has kind of broken the mold as being one of the first guys to not be particularly successful in college, and yet kind of find it in the NFL. There's a lot of hype surrounding the the Arizona Cardinals right now. Just got uh, yeah, just got a nice signing today. Got JJ Watt for the six games he'll play. Anyway, have have the best wide receiver in the (laughs) NFL. They have quarterback and Kyler Murray that's coming into his own. So yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, you know, it's it's worth a shot. I think at there's no there's no such thing as too much depth. It's like 
it's it's like starting pitching in baseball. Like to have enough enough guys in that room. The more guys you have, the more po- opportunity, the more possibility that one of them is going to be a, a transcendent quarterback in your system. And hopefully, it's in there somewhere. All right. Well, uh, I know our recruiting podcast is going to touch on the Will Johnson signing and whatnot. There's a there's a place we could go there, but we're we're already a good 51 minutes in. I think it's been a good show. This might be a good spot, Chris. I'll let you uh, tell you the want, folks. You want me to sum that up for you? Will Johnson, good, cool, good. Moving on, good, good work, good work, team. <laughs> Chris, where can we find you on social media, man? At Castellani2014. Uh, you, you know, yeah, there, there you will find the link to my YouTube page. So I've been, I've been uploading some pretty fun stuff recently with movie reviews and top 10 lists and stuff like that. I have another show at uh, lockdown tigers on Twitter. It's lockdown tigers, part of the lockdown podcast network. Got kind of a rebooted version of the show. We recently got bought out by a media company. So we're going to be doing longer shows, more ads means more shows. So looking forward to doing that. Spring training is in full swing. Tigers have played a few spring training games already which is nice so going to be talking about all those subscribe you can find those wherever you get your podcasts and also so before i don't before i forget uh rate us review us on itunes for maize and brew as well with the podcast we've been churning out i think we've uh, been putting putting together some really really fun stuff and we'd love to hear your feedback so follow me on uh, all those platforms much appreciate it anthony where can we find you my man Oh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You know where, you know, I mean, the website, it's wherever you are on social media. The podcasts are wherever you are, um, except for Google. Again, we're getting that worked out. Um, I could save a lot of oxygen by just empowering you with the knowledge that wherever you're on social media, we're there too. So uh, again, having a lot of fun right now doing these shows. Uh, they've, they've taken on a much lighter and more uh, vibrant tone when the teams are actually doing well. Uh, so yeah, good to be here with you guys. Good to chat with you guys uh, in the Twitch chat. Uh, again, we've been doing them a little bit longer, but you guys are, are here for it still. So yeah. appreciate that and your patience and the people who are listening off platform. Um, yeah, it, it's, we appreciate you too. Uh, we're trying to get that discord going as well. So definitely hit uh, the link to that on our Twitter page. So there you go. There's the spiel for me. It ended up being longer anyways. So, so much for being uh, efficient. Yeah, man, the basketball heavy shows have been like Marvel movies compared to the football shows, which are like DC movies, man. Yeah. It's two different, two different ends of the Accurate. spectrum. You, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Yardy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. You can follow the Brewcast Show page as well on Twitter at Brewcast Show. As the guys said, go check out uh, or rate, subscribe, leave a review. We love it. Uh, really appreciate everyone that was in the, the Twitch chat here today watching on Twitch. We had a pretty good number on here here today uh we do it if you're listening on the podcast every monday night 7 30 we're live on twitch hop in the comments man we love it uh you know we we use a lot of the comments to fuel a lot of the discussion as well so come join be a part of the discussion appreciate all you guys uh that were in here tonight so that about does it for us for my partners anthony broom and chris castellani i'm luke yardy we'll see you next week on brewcast